Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 30. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts Sam Ehrman and Matt Nine. We've got a packed show today. Uh, we had some breaking news in the NFL yesterday, so we'll touch on that. But we want to dive a little bit into the Chargers and Chiefs offenses, two AFC West offenses that have kind of gone in different directions this season but there's a lot of fantasy relevant guys on those those teams so gonna give you a little bit of a rundown on those offenses and then we're gonna talk some dynasty risers and fallers at each position so stay locked in all the way through the show um because you don't want to miss the risers and fallers in the meantime head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts give us uh, a subscribe there head on over to ffballallday.com if you want to preview some of the content beforehand but with that let's get into the show As I mentioned, uh, some breaking NFL news yesterday out of Las Vegas. John Gruden uh, resigned as head coach. I put that in in air quotes. Uh, listeners can't see me, but um, Gruden resigned. Obviously, a lot going on there. We won't get into you know kind of the morality and and just the overall issue with it. But Sam, I want to ask you specifically. Do you anticipate any big implications for this offense and, and kind of their fantasy outlook as a result of, of Gruden being out? Um, I don't really know. Uh, and I say that because I, the guy who's taking over has never been a head coach. He's never been called plays before. So everything's going to be different. Um, Gruden had his fingerprint on everything. Um, and now they're not going to have that fingerprint. So everything's going to be a little bit different. Um to be honest with you, I haven't said anything on Twitter or anything because, like, I'm still kind of shocked. Um, I I never spoke to John Gruden, um, but I was at a camp that he was at, um, and I got to, like, watch him from a distance one time and for, like, a six-hour period. Um, I never imagined in a million years would have thought, like, that was coming off of his keyboards. I mean, he was great. Um, I Shocking. Um I mean, I liked how the NFL is quick to react, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the only person to go. Um, that's a lot of emails and a lot of bad stuff said. Um, for fantasy purposes, I mean, I hope it means that they rely more on Josh Jacobs, kind of stop the silly personnel. Because, I mean, too often John Gruden gets cute with his 13 personnel running out Foster Moreau, you know, having him run a slant route or a, a nine route. Like, I just – I think John Gruden got too cute and I'm hoping maybe they simplify it more and kind of use their wide receivers more instead of, you know, this 13, 12 personnel stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting week one. Um, I mean, fantasy purposes this week, I mean, you're probably starting Derek Carr. If you're in a super flex league, one QB league, you're not touching him. Obviously Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller in your lineups. Um, and I mean, if you need a flex, obviously Edwards and rugs, uh, just, you don't know what to expect. I think it'll be – I think early on in the game, you, you'll see, like, energy. I mean, like, I think the guys will be excited. 
typically the way this goes is the Raiders will come out. I mean, historically, when you know coach gets fired after some shit like this, team comes out whoops some ass. So I, you know, I hoping that's the case this week. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's going to be really interesting because there was some weird things with Gruden and and not necessarily utilizing the receivers or you know a guy like Kenyon Drake that they paid a bunch of money to was kind of had some interesting usage but um I think overall I hope it's I hope it helps uh Jacobs and and Edwards really because those are two guys that are very talented that I don't think were utilized enough do you have anything to add Matt on the Raiders offense not particularly I think just to you know re-echo what's what Sam said you just it's no way to know what what to expect you know we're used to seeing Darren Waller get you know 15 targets a game I mean does that stop now like does does the new regime come in and be like we need to spread the ball around a little bit more we need to get Ruggs and Edwards more involved uh maybe more Renfro just everybody's kind of even keel or or maybe you know somebody like Waller's targets drops and Edwards gets you know eight more targets a game instead or Ruggs it's just I'd there's just really no way to know in, until, you know, we've talked about this before. One's a dot, two's a line, three's a trend. Until we get three weeks down the road from now, uh, then I think we'll have a better idea of, of what to expect moving forward. And then, you know, they'll probably get somebody else again in there new next summer. Uh, so th- this could this could be a very unstable, maybe is the right word, over the next year or so. Yeah. I agree. That's a good way to put it. I think that's it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. And, and like you said, it, it could be big changes again in the offseason. So uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on the Raiders. And um, let's stick in the AFC West here. We're going to talk about two offenses uh, that have that have kind of gone in different directions to start the season. Start with the Chargers offense. Uh, really fast start for a lot of their guys. I mean, Eckler, uh, Mike Williams, obviously Herbert, like those guys are just absolutely crushing it through through five weeks. So, Sam, let's start with you. What do you make of the fast start and how are we valuing these guys going forward? I mean, you have to love it. And I think the best part is, is how aggressive the offense is, is literally creating more possessions and touchdowns for that offense. I mean, they're going for it regularly on fourth and three, fourth and four fourth and two. So, I mean, you're getting an extra possession or two every game with these guys, and that's valuable. Um, Fourth and two on their own 24, no less. Yeah, I mean, like, you have to love it for fantasy purposes. Um, And Justin Herbert has taken that next step. I I think you can start to make an argument that, you know, maybe he's the number one guy to go get in Dynasty. Um, I mean, looking at the way – I think the Chargers – are going to force other NFL teams to change. And I think we're going to get more fantasy points out of it. I think we're going to see this become a trend. Like, I don't think the Chargers right now going forward on fourth and two all the time is going to go away, um, especially with how Brandon Staley talks and the way he regimes and the way he's built analytically. Um, I don't see this offense slowing down. I mean, like, yeah, they'll have some slow games. It's the NFL. I mean, somebody's going to get the best of them. But, I mean, until further notice, I mean, you are starting – you know, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. And if you need a tight end stream for a week, you're starting Jared Cook. I mean, everybody's eating. Um, I don't know what else to say, guys. I mean, like, you have to be excited about what you're seeing. Um, in the offseason, in my main dynasty league, 
I traded Dak Prescott and two second round picks for Justin Herbert. And I got laughed out of the room. And through six weeks, I feel better about that now than I did then. And I think, you know, Justin Herbert is going to be a superstar if he's not already. And he's, he's the crazy part is he's still getting better. Um, you know, and are we starting to see like maybe an MVP season? Because up until last year, it was three straight years in a row that a second year um, quarterback won the MVP. So, I mean, like you had Mahomes and Lamar, you know, back to back and then Kyler. Uh, wait, no, Kyler didn't win, did he? No. no. But you get my no. point was, so, I mean, like maybe we're on to that trend. I don't know. I think another interesting trend to watch for is that outside of Tom Brady, I believe, like I saw the stats somewhere, like eight of the last Super Bowl winners, uh, winning quarterbacks outside of Tom Brady have been second-year players, second-year quarterbacks. I, and I, th- I think I think we actually talked about that when we were at the Expo, Chad, if you remember that when we were walking through the museum there. Uh, so I, maybe the Chargers have a legitimate Super Bowl chance. And I think just if we look at them from – fantasy aside for a moment you know the thing that's been holding them back outside of the past few years has been just their their injury luck and right now everybody's healthy that defense is together so if they continue to stay healthy and play like this i don't see there's a reason that this offense doesn't continue to eat and they they're not a legitimate afc title you know super bowl caliber team uh can we one thing oh go ahead i just want to ask you an overreaction question on spot in dynasty six point passing touchdown Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, who you taking? Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Who? Patrick Mahomes. Or Justin Herbert? Yes. I'll I'll take Herbert right now. Oh, wow. Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert? Herbert. Herbert. Okay. Um, Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert? Kyler. So, I mean, like, he's up there. I mean, like, he has to be. Yeah, he's top five. Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert? Herbert. Herbert. I think I think you're uh, you're kind of spoiling some of my uh, dynasty Sorry. riser, but no, 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 no. That's totally it's a fine. good thing though. I mean, like it you're is. seeing. I mean, like, and you're literally seeing. Like, I don't see this Mike Williams trend stopping. Um, Brian Telesco was on the Pat McAfee show today, and he talked about Mike Williams usage. Um, from my understanding, that is not going to change. Um, you know, and I also am friends with the current player there who was one of my former players at the University of Finley. I literally just texted him. Yeah, he said, that's our offense. I mean, that's literally what Jason told me. So I don't see anything slowing down. I mean, they're going to have bad weeks. But until then, I mean, you're treating all of those guys as respective ones in their p- position. Does Mike Williams resign, though? Do I, I mean, he has to be. I mean, he has to. I don't know I, if he'll get – it'll depend on the contract. But they love him. Chargers love him. They absolutely love him. I mean, he talked about it today that, I mean, he's already been a thousand yard receiver for us, you know, coaching staff, you know, didn't maximize his talents before. I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah. And if you're Mike Williams, like, why would you want to, unless you just get an incredible like low ball offer, which isn't going to happen. Why would you want to leave Herbert in that situation that's developing there with the coaching staff? You have to look at it from a player perspective. It's like, he's never been paid before. So this is his first contract. I guess it would be his second contract. And I understand he got a really big contract. Was he the sixth, seventh overall pick? Something like that out the gate compared to most people. But if he puts up a thousand yard, you know, 1200 yards, 12 touchdown type of season, I mean, if, if the Chargers aren't going to pay him, 
there's a team like, you know, the Eagles, you know, uh, who else? The Dolphins, maybe. There's other teams out there that have the money that, that are willing to pay him. I, the Patriots, maybe. Patriots. maybe so, I think they will pay him, though. Like, why uh, yeah, wouldn't I they? Kind of possible. Agree, but it, I want to – and this is going to shift us right into the Chiefs, but and that's fine. I, I got one more thing to say on the Chargers, though. Okay, well, then take that, and I can – because my comment kind of shifts us right into the Chiefs on accident. Okay. So I was just going to say from a dynasty perspective, if for some reason they don't re-sign Mike Williams, I think Josh Palmer's the direct beneficiary. So I think he's a very yeah. cheap investment right now just in case for some reason he could see potentially see the biggest spike in value of any player next offseason. And Donald Parham is coming along nicely. Uh, you know, Andrew wrote an article about him. He graded very well in our and mine and his tight end metric uh, he's playing 50 per, um, over 50 percent of the snaps and back-to-back weeks now with touchdowns so i think next year after cook is gone he's going to be a massive part of that chargers uh passing offense and he's attached to you know what we're saying right now you know herbert's on this all pro trajectory so you gotta like yeah. that um i was so i want to shift into this and the reason right now i don't think you have any reason to worry about the chargers is they have a lot of money and they have a lot of money because they're not paying justin herbert anything Mm-hmm. and they have really no holes. Everybody's cheap on their team right now, so that's kind of why I think Mike Williams will sign like a two- to three-year deal, so that way when like Herbert's time is up, he can get paid. But I think – and then this is gonna, what you want can to talk I, about, Chiefs. Can I oh. ask, but before we go to the Chiefs, though, we didn't talk about Keenan Allen, and he's obviously an uber-talented guy. How are you guys valuing him right now with Mike Williams' ascension? I mean, I think both are – I think right now, I mean, Keenan Allen's a really high-end wide receiver, too, um, with wide receiver one upside. I mean, he's still getting the majority of the targets. Um, You know, like last week, for example, Mike Williams scored two touchdowns. Great. Um, But, I mean, one of them, the safety slipped, and then the other one was just a blown coverage. Um, I mean, still fantasy points. It still absolutely counts. Um, It's just I'm not really worried about Keenan Allen. He's he's literally getting force-fed targets, too. Um, He just haven't had the luck, really. Yeah, I think he's an interesting buy for his a dot though is really interesting. I'm not, I don't care about a dot and stuff, but he does. I watch every chargers game. He does seem to be only getting a majority of like the slot check down routes for the most part. I think um, he's an interesting buy still for contenders because he's kind of the, become the forgotten man. <clears throat> Excuse me. An interesting wrinkle is the chargers do have a potential out on his contract after this year. I would think they'll hang on to him, but if they do need money for Mike Williams, they could potentially uh, move uh, on from Keenan. If they I think they understand Keenan's one of the best in the league. I don't think they would do that. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I just noticed right. that. Go ahead. Matt. So I'm actually going to disagree with you, Chad, on this. I think Keenan's a sell because I'm, I'm going to revert back to, to Corey's article over the summer, the value of targets that he wrote with this metric that he came up with. You know, I understand Keenan Allen is seeing the majority of the targets, but as Sam alluded to, they're not they're not special. It's all between the twenties. It's all short stuff. Mike Williams is seeing the valuable targets. He's he's seeing the majority of the end zone targets. He's the one scoring touchdowns. He's the one making big plays. And it's not like he's only doing this on four or five targets a game. I mean, he's barely trailing Keenan by like maybe one uh, target per game average kind of thing. So I think now would be a good time to sell Keenan if you're contending. Probably not unless you can afford it. But if you're rebuilding, I don't I don't think I would bank on him for the future. I, I think I'd cash out now oh. and, and get three or four pieces in return. Well, sure. That's but that's my favorite. Has Allen ever been a rebuilding piece? Like, I mean, he's 28, 29 years old. Like, he's a contending piece. 
Right. But so I don't if he I, he I think he's a buy for the sole fact that he's attached to potentially the MVP and he's getting he's going to see 150 targets. I mean, like he's going to be you know, he's going to have 100 receptions, a thousand yards and like 10 touchdowns. I mean, it just depends on your particular roster. Like like, for example, if you start three, lost. if right, if you start three wide receivers and like somebody like Michael Pittman or Chase Claypool is your wide receiver four. I think I'm moving Allen to give those guys the bump into the starting lineup and collect assets in return. The thing is, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but for the cost, I think like he's become a forgotten man. And I, you know, I'll have to check on what he's been going for, but I imagine. Here, I'll pull it up right now. Um, but he's also, that's kind of always been his role, Matt. Like he's never been had a really high A dot. He runs out of the slot a lot and gets a lot of those intermediate targets so here's the thing i want to bring this up um i i mean maybe i was wrong i mean like his ADOT and his receptions right now is higher than his career average um and right now i mean like he's so good he's got 34 receptions 369 one six 369 yards in a touchdown and he's a sell i mean that's just crazy like he's also th- and that's what i was saying like his ADOT's never been very high he's also at least according to player profiler he's also number one in red zone targets which hasn't necessarily translated, but I think you'll see some positive touchdown regression. I do as well. Um, I also think you're going to get a few blow up games. Um, I mean, like he gets like he he's always good. I mean, bare minimum of like 13 PPR points. You'll never get anything less. But then it's like, do you get 30? And you'll get a few of those games here soon. Yeah. Uh, I so I want so I want to take this. So the reason I think that the challenge Chargers, you know, are the Super Bowl contenders and why the Chiefs are struggling is because all that cap money is going to Patrick Mahomes now. And now you're starting to see those obvious holes and it's starting to cause some offensive regression and some Reed Sorensen, what are you doing on the field? Defensive regression. Um, I'm not really overly worried about the Chiefs. Um, I mean, like, I mean, they're too good. Um, They have way too much talent and way too good of a coach. Uh, but I do think, like, kind of what you're seeing, like, could be a red alert. But at the same time, not everybody has the personnel that the Bills do to shut them down like that. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not overreacting at all. Um, you know, I guess the biggest question to me is, do you really believe in Darrell Williams? And my, my answer would be no. But if, if you're getting him off the waiver wire for free, sure. I mean, yeah. that's literally where I am with the Chiefs' offense. Nothing's really changed except that. Yeah, and we talk about their offense struggling, but Pat Mahomes is QB1 right now. Travis Kelsey is tied in one right now. Tyreek Hill is wide receiver two right now. So it's still those guys. I think, like you said, the question is, do you believe in Darrell Williams? And then also, they just they also need a second receiver to step up because we have seen Tyreek Hill slow down in certain matchups. And, you know, Hardman had like, an amazing game last night for his standards, but he still was like, my know. biggest concern right now at the chiefs is Clyde Edwards going down because they already couldn't run the football. And now you're going to try to establish the run with Darrell Williams. Right. Okay. I'm playing cover two. beat me with Darrell Williams. That's what teams are going to do. I mean, you're still going to get those deep shots to Tyreek. And um, I mean, you're going to hit probably one of them a game. It's just like, I think teams are starting to figure out, hey, like they can't run the football. I mean, their offensive line is okay, but they cannot run the football. So let's, you know, I mean, like let's literally make them beat us. That's a good point. What do you think, Matt? I mean, I 
I, I said this in in the or group chat the other night. I, I don't think it's inconceivable to think that the Chiefs are regressing in a negative way. Uh, Frank Clark has been a complete waste of money outside of maybe two sacks in his entire Chiefs tenure. Uh, thankfully, I'm glad the Seahawks were able to cash out when they did. Uh, who was it that that showed us this? Man, I can't remember. Sam, you might have know, but somebody showed us like the last six or seven years of the Chiefs' first round. Oh, it was Hayden Winks. Okay, and it might not just been a first round pick. It might have been their entire draft classes or something like that. And it was Mahomes and and the new rookie center Creed Humphrey, who's probably a hit. Those are the only two guys that they've actually hit on in like the past six years. So you're not oh, being Tyreek and stuff, but yeah. Oh, so it might have just been first round picks then. But you're you're not if you can't reload through the draft, and your defense is regressing the way it is every year. Patrick Mahomes becomes more and more expensive, uh, which takes away money from other parts of your team. I just I don't understand unless you start legitimately building through the draft, what the Chiefs haven't proven that they can do. I don't I don't know how this team gets better. Um, I think the offense will always be the same as long as you know those three cogs are there, and then maybe Josh Gordon you know can can help out a little bit, but. The defense isn't getting better this year. Like it, it's not like you can point at it and be like it's a scheme issue. Like I, I think it's a talent issue for them right now. Yeah, they don't really have very much talent on the defensive side, and like that's the problem. Um, and I do wonder how much of like statistically right now this Chiefs defense is the worst in NFL history ever. Um, but I partially wonder how much of that is because teams are still trying to keep up with them. I mean, like you still have to score thirty points to beat the Chiefs. It's not like the Chiefs are a bad team either. I mean, like, they've played some really good football teams. Um, I mean, they're two and three. And, yeah, they clearly don't have as much talent as somebody like the Chargers. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Angie Reid are too good to not be at least, like, in the playoff push. And they're going to have huge games. And if anybody's worried, I play against – Mahomes and Tyreek and Kelsey in my main league. So they're going to have ballistic weeks this week. So don't be worried. Um, that's just how that league goes. So, I mean, if somebody's worried about Mahomes or any of them, just go buy them low. And if you own Darrell Williams in the Dynasty League and you're not competing, just sell them for a second round or move on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the biggest question is, well, there's two. Will either, you know, Josh Gordon, Hardman, Pringle, any of those guys, will they have – fantasy value the rest of the season and step up or will Daryl Williams McKinnon step up or will this team make a move for somebody like Marlon Mack, who we talked about him being showcased last night. Uh, there's some running backs, you know, that could be had that are sitting out there or, you know, available for trade. So I think that'll be interesting to see if they try to add to the backfield. I think it's crazy to me that if you're a team that's coming in to play the chiefs, you you recognize that that like Sam said that defense is giving up 35 points a game and you can go into that game being like we're probably going to get 35 or at least 28 or more easy if we could just hold the chiefs to 28 or 30 we'll probably win so like, that's such a crazy mindset to think it's like we just have to hold these guys to 30 for the probable victory that's how bad that defense is and that means if you have players playing against the Chiefs defense, you upgrade them because it's a bad defense and an offense that's still going to put up points. So, so basically what Chad is saying is this is a big Terry McLaurin week. Yes. Yeah, I'm playing everybody and anybody against the Chiefs defense. But I, and I'll probably have duds because we're talking about it. I mean, like, oh, yeah, you can't start and then they'll get shut down. 
to go back to your point though, I, I they might trade for Mac. It seems a lot of the you know the the shifties, the Mike Clays of the world, you know, they they were tweeting that it's a possibility. Uh, I know definitely. I feel I definitely feel good that the Colts are going to move him before the deadline. I'm just not entirely sure where. Uh, and then we also had the report right before a kickoff last night that uh, how the Ravens were scrapping for running backs, you know, in the preseason. And then apparently several teams have reached out to them for the likes of Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray and guys like that. So there could be a move for the Chiefs in the future. It depends on how long CEH is out for because the sprained MCL, I mean, put on IR. So at least three weeks, it, 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 but I've had that injury before, so it, it could very well be, you know, anywhere, you know, closer to six or eight weeks. Well, and even depends. I'm not saying that they're going to go out and get somebody like better than CEH, but they can't really be happy with his performance either. So I think even if it's like a two to three week injury, I think it's still possible to try to add to the backfield. Well, Absolutely. Clyde was playing fine. It's just, I think they, I think they really like McKinnon and Darrell Williams. It's just like, can they stay healthy? And you need three active running backs. So, I mean, they're going to bring somebody in, you would think. You think Clyde was playing fine, though? I mean, I guess I mean, maybe he had, what, fine, three but... games in a row with 100 rushing yards? I think two. But he, he's I mean, still, he just looks a little slow to me. He's not explosive. And I just I haven't been impressed even with those you he, know, few games. I, he feels like just a running back, you know? Yeah, like he's not like a JT or or a Dobbins or a J Rob where you where you can pick something out and be like, this guy is really good at this. It's I don't just like Ceh is just he's like you know he's a running back. He feels very replaceable. I don't he he doesn't I don't see a huge difference between him and Daryl Williams. Like I, I mean, obviously I prefer Ceh, but like maybe pass catching skills a yeah, little bit. But and even then, they're not like Mahomes is just is not. Hey, he doesn't look there anyway. Down. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I, that's an interesting position group to watch there. Um, all right. Let's. This is uh, going to be a fun little segment. We're going to do some dynasty risers and fallers. Five weeks in, you know, we're beyond the, the trend. The one's a dot, two's a line, three's a trend. I don't know what that makes weeks four and five, but we're far enough along to have a big enough sample size where we can give you some guys that we see rising and we see falling. So go position to position here. Uh, Let's start with quarterbacks and you, Sam, why don't you give us a riser and faller at the quarterback position? Um, Is it cheap to go Justin Herbert? I mean, like, I, I don't really know. Like, I feel like he's the most obvious riser so far. I mean, like, yeah, there's been other guys who've been really good, but I mean, he's he's taken that status from like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty good to, oh shit, okay, this guy's a superstar. I mean, like, people are starting to take him over Mahomes and drafts. I mean, like, to me, I feel like that's the biggest QB riser. I mean, I know it sounds cheap, but it's kind of my answer. Yeah, I'll just say I was thinking about going there as well, and I think you know, looking at like the quarterback tiers, you have like the Mahomes tier and and you know Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, that group. And then there's kind of, of a big like group of guys that you weren't sure which where to put them, like uh, you know, Dak. Um, obviously we like Hurts a lot, but th- there's just kind of that tier of guys where it's like, are they closer to the elite tier? Are they closer, you know, to the I feel like tier? Herbert has answered that question. Yeah, he's he's a sent he's been the class of that group. He's the one that's risen up. All right, Matt. I mean, I d- Herbert's definitely a riser. If you hate Jalen Hurts, we're done. No, I'm not because I don't think you can pick him or a rookie because you you really didn't know, you know, there was yeah. no baseline. 
So right. this is his baseline now for Jalen. But I'm actually going to go with Sam Darnold. I think he's taken the biggest leap of any quarterback moving from that terrible three years we saw to the Jets. And now outside of his one game last week against Philadelphia, you know, his first four weeks of the season, it been I've been extremely impressed with with what he's been able to do with Joe Brady and Matt Rule. I mean, you know, uh, Chad, you wrote about it two weeks ago, you know, the new Konami code master Sam Darnold. I think he and they have like five, six rushing touchdowns for the first few weeks, something like that. I mean, for me, I just think he's gone from just his growth has the biggest gap, if that makes sense. Like Justin Herbert was already really good at the end of last year. And now he's ascended himself just, you know, not light years better. He's just moved himself into the next tier. It's clear that he took a step forward. But I think the biggest step forward has to be Sam Darnold. Yeah, he was going to be my my other guy that I went with outside of Herbert. So I completely agree with you. And, and I think that's a good coaching staff to be attached to as well. They, uh, I think they've done a, a nice job there. So I don't really have anything to add. I, the other quarterback... I still, I've mentioned him before. I don't know if he's a huge riser, but he's just a guy that is always there. And that's Kirk Cousins. Like, I know it's not a sexy name, but Mr. Man, Consistent. Yeah, he lives in that like high end QB2 range, low end QB1 range. So, um, do you want to give us a, do you have a fall for us, Sam? Um, um, no, I didn't really think of a good one. I know. My answers. I mean, my running back answers are good. That's fine. We don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't have to. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say. I think you could I mean, mention like what, Zach Wilson. I mean, he's been worse than I expected. You could mention Wilson. He's somebody that I was thinking of. Uh, I think for me, Ryan Tannehill is one because he's a guy I talked about as like just consistently being so undervalued, and he's kind of fallen. Like we always wondered, like, is he going to drop back down? Is he going to drop back down? He hasn't been and running like, the football very much. He's not. He's. I think he's QB twenty one right now, and and his attempts are fine. It's just that he's just not completing as many passes. He's not throwing for as many yards, and that offense has just not looked great outside of the running game. So he's one that I would I would highlight there as a faller. Do you have a any quarterback fallers, Matt? Yeah. So for my faller, I th- I think I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. And he was really, really good at the end of last year. I'm looking at this year, four, six, eight, 10, 11 touchdowns to one interception over the last six games, seven games of the year last year, s- several 300-yard games. And then here we are in what feels like a contract year for him because he you know, kind of bet on himself. The Browns didn't extend him this offseason. We got four touchdowns and two picks on only one uh, two 300-yard games, only one fantasy point-wise, only one game of of over 20 points. I mean, I he I just doesn't feel like he he's the guy. I mean, he's currently QB 23. He just he hadn't even played that well, in my opinion. He's just I mean, he's the literal definition of you know a cab driver, I guess. I mean, what was it? Somebody said on TV the other morning, like he's the most replaceable quarterback in the NFL right now. And I have a hard time not believing that. Like, I, I feel like the Browns could be so much better if they had a much better quarterback. Because you look at their team from top to bottom, you got OBJ. You know, I know Landry's hurt right now, but you got you know Hunt and Chubb are carrying the entire load. Like, imagine if you put like a Watson or or a Russell Wilson or a Josh Allen on that squad, like a, that next tier up. Even a even a Kirk Cousins, I think, could be better. But 
I, I, I just think for me, even if you don't consider him a father, he's definitely not a, a riser. And I, I think, I think as a Browns fan, as a fantasy fan, as a Baker fan, you're really disappointed to see that now that we're in year four and he just still hasn't taken a leap at any point of any kind. Uh, you know, and this will sound crazy. I probably am crazy. I mean, probably this world where he doesn't return to um, Cleveland um, and Green Bay could be looking to offload Aaron Rodgers. Um, maybe they just let him walk or sign him and trade him somebody else or something good for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, because it's so hard for me not to say anything about Baker without being extremely biased. I mean, for, I mean, so you got Baker over Jordan love now? No, 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 no. Like I'm saying like in real life, like talking, like if Baker Mayfield keeps playing like this throughout the entire season, if they want to go make a run at Aaron Rodgers, they would move off of Baker Mayfield, who is very replaceable, you know, and my, my belief on Baker Mayfield has always been worse on others because I have a closer experience. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. But yeah, I, I, I get that too. I've I've been a big Baker fan. Like I liked him before he like shot up draft boards and and you know thought he was a good prospect. But I, I think that's a good choice, Matt. I just to put it in perspective, I like I think Odell has looked really good since he's been back on the field. And I was considering like, is he worth investing in as a contender? But Baker like has not been able to connect with him at all. And it's yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I think I think Odell's looked pretty good since he's been back on the field. But um, let's talk about running backs. I guess cheat a little. I'm just going to throw out two names for my running back risers. But the first one, the reason is because the first one is. Are you stealing mine? What's that? Are you stealing the one I told you earlier? No, okay. I'm going to leave that one for you. That's okay, that's thanks. a good one, and I know you like that guy. So, but I I'm just going to highlight Eckler real quick because I've been talking about him a ton, and I made the point after week one and especially after week two his red zone usage was going up and he was a cheaper option for an elite running back and he already has 22 red zone touches this year he had just 20 last year in 10 games so just want to highlight him i think he's rb2 now and so his i mean he's turned into every down back and a guy that that doesn't come out of the game near the goal line so um the other one is Daryl Henderson, which I know is a guy that you like, Sam. So I, I didn't know if you were going to go with him, but I, I know you're not now. Um, I think the questions around him, obviously, once Akers went down, was if he could like handle a full workload and be successful. I know he has missed a game, but he's dominating the snaps there. And even when the team acquired Sony Michelle, people thought, oh, it's going to be like a committee. And even I thought they were going to on, rely on Michelle a little bit more than they have. They really haven't. I mean, last week, Henderson played 66% of the snaps, pretty much doubled Michelle's. Um, well, hold on. And I want to add in that um, some of that snaps was when Darrell Henderson was out. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, okay. But I no, see. I mean, that's, that's a, a good point. Um, but also he is – sorry, my page is loading. I was going to look at his usage model because he is uh, – averaging let me see about two two a little over two points two more points per game than his expected point total which is um 
really, you know, if you can average a couple extra points than what your usage model shows that it should be, um, you know, you're in a good spot. So I've just been really impressed with him. I think on average points per game, you know, obviously, like I said, he missed the game, but if you take the average, he's RB 11, uh, which again is pretty good for a guy that a lot of people thought were going to be in a committee. He's average, he's totaling, you know, around 20 touches a game, which I think is, is great to see. So he's a, a big riser for me. Who do you got, Matt? So for my riser, I'm going to go with James Robinson and Travis Etienne had to die. So James Robinson, so James Robinson can live. And this is what I mean by riser. So the argument last year was James Robinson's volume and his snap share. He had, what was it over 90% snap share. He was getting 25, 26 touches a game, something like that. And he wasn't very efficient. I believe he was in like the mid forties and most efficiency metrics. So that was the big thing, you know, Travis Etienne's the guy, he gets hurt and it's like, oh, but James Robinson is still bad because, you know, he's not going to get that volume, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm here to tell you that James Robinson is top 15 in most efficiency metrics this year. He has taken his game to the absolute next level. Uh, he's currently not at a 90% snap share. He's wrote, he's floating around. Let me see here. He's floating around the 68, 69% snap share. And he's on pace to break all of last year's numbers. He's on pace for 1,300 yards. Last year, he had just over 1,000. Uh, he's on pace for 61 receptions. Last year, he had six, or excuse me, targets. Last year, he had 60. Uh, and he's on pace for 14 total touchdowns right now. And I believe last year, he had eight or nine. So James Robinson has not only taken another step. I mean, he's still an RB1. He is one of the best running backs in the league. Draft capital does no longer need to be in the conversation with him. He is legit and he's here to stay. I love that. What do you got for us, Sam? Yeah. Um, I think my most obvious riser and uh, biggest dynasty buys Michael Carter. Um, every week, his snap percentage has gone up week one, 25% week two, 44% week three, 45% week four, 48% week five, 51%. Um, and since week one, since he only played 25% of snaps, um, four of his past five games, he scored over 10 plus PPR points and he's taking over the backfield. Um, I mean, it's clear. I mean, he's looking really good. He's getting more comfortable as each week goes on. They're trusting him more. Um, his routes are going up each week, um, from eight to 12, 11, 10, 13. Um, he's been targeted three times in every single game. Um, He's had a bare minimum of one reception every game, and he's averaging two. I mean, like, he's on the field, and he's getting more work. Um, I, he, I don't understand why he's not getting more love. Um, everybody knows that they wanted him earlier in the draft, and when they traded up to get him, they didn't think they were going to get him. And now that we're week five in, um, I mean, the numbers are there. I mean, he's clearly taking over the backfield. He's scoring PPR points, and he's catching footballs. Um, I mean, he's – I don't understand why he's not getting more love. Um, I'm all over Michael Carter, and I think people should be doing the same thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good choice. I I think he's been pretty impressive. Um, in terms of fallers, I think there's a few guys here, and, and I don't really know which way to go with this. Um, but I'm legitimately worried about Miles Sanders, and I know it's a guy you like, Sam, and I think there's – Probably, you know, like he's a good player. I, I don't have a problem with the player, but 
Nick Sirianni, I mean, we've talked about it in, with Jalen and just the way he's running this offense, I, I'm not too impressed with. And Sanders has been between, you know, close to a 70% snap share every week. But he's only, t- he had a week where he had, week three, he had two carries. Week four, he had seven carries. Like, that's not enough. That's not going to get it done. And only, you know, he still hasn't scored a touchdown. He only has a few red zone touches. And I think Kenneth Gainwell looks really good. I think Miles Sanders is a is a competent pass catcher. I think, in fact, I think he's, you know, pretty good in that area. But Gainwell looks really good as like a third down change of pace guy. And in an offense that just isn't prioritizing the run, I just don't see a lot of value for Sanders. And I think he's a guy that I've just been kind of most disappointed in with his usage and, and just the overall production. So he's he's been a big faller for me. Yeah, same. I mean, I don't understand how you can watch that offense and not see the concern. So I'm right there with you. Yep, that that was my guy too. Uh, I will say I have no idea whether this is true or not, but I have seen rumblings. I have heard things that suggest that the reason the Eagles are passing so much is that is being dictated from up high uh, from the front office because they are trying to get Jalen as much passing work as they can to help him, I guess, maturate in this in his progression as a pocket passer as opposed to running the ball more. I have no idea if that's true or not, but that could be the possible reason why they're not running the ball as much. Although I do think they need to if they just want to compete. I mean, I feel like they could have beaten San Francisco. They were in the game with the Chiefs up until the fourth quarter, even though the defense was giving up, you know, 30 or 48 points, whatever it was. And then last week, you know, they showed out and then beat, came back, come back win against Carolina. I mean, I, I, I don't think they're as far off in a rebuild as, as a lot of people think they are. But yeah, definitely disappointed in Miles Sanders. Uh, he, he's been a letdown. And, and I think Kenny Gainwell's uh, coming for the throne there as far as that running back room goes. Oh, I, I will say this. Last week, Miles Sanders actually got pulled from the game. Did y'all notice that? Did y'all, any of y'all catch that? There was they, The Eagles were trying to run out the clock, and it was a first and 10. Miles Sanders minus two runs out of bounds instead of sliding. Oh, uh, yeah. And then it was second and 12. He gained like five and then ran out of bounds again. And Nick Sirianni said that was it. Miles Sanders was gone for the game. Kenny Gainwell finished the game out. So I, I well, that's a boneheaded mistake he made twice. I'm sure he got an ear about it the first time. Then he yeah. did it again. I mean, that's unexcusable. I would have benched him too. But it's like those little things, and then all off season it was he he keeps dropping passes. You know, there's been these video breakdowns that uh, this Eagles guy named Thomas does about how Miles Sanders is consistently missing the hole. Like you haven't seen a year three growth from him. So. I just feel like there's a lot of stuff going on there with him. Um, so I'll do my follower. Um, and it pains me to do this, but I'm here for your accuracy. And I feel like the most obvious loser through the first month of the season is Ronald Jones. I mean, he you can't start him. Um, you're, you're praying. You're hoping he gets traded. I mean, he he's just falling off. Um he went from 39% snaps to 14 to 17 to 16 to 17. I mean, like he is currently a backup. Um, and the problem is it's not really him. It's Leonard Fournette looks good. Um, it's a Bucks fan. You have to be excited that you've got, I mean, Leonard Fournette looking like Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard looking like Giovanni Bernard. Ronald Jones doesn't really have a place on this team. Um, even if he goes down, like, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they just force feed Giovanni Bernard. I mean, like they love Gio. Um, Gio is a fantastic start in some PPR weeks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about Ronald Jones. I mean, like he's looked okay. It's just he's not on the field. I mean, he's a clear backup now. Yeah, he's another name that I was I uh, was thinking about mentioning as yeah. well. I will say though, for dynasty purposes, he is only twenty three and he's a free agent next year, so there is a chance right. that he can reclaim some value if he changes. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll go somewhere like and sign. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him up and end up in Miami as the lead back there. Like, he's twenty four. Um, he recently just turned twenty four. He's never had a major injury. Knock on wood. He's a dynamic running back who's you know good in between the tackles. Um, who can catch football, but it's not somebody you prefer. I mean, like, you'll get him for cheap, you know. So I he's a buy for me in Dynasty. Like, if you're thinking long-term and if you're trying to, like, if you if, like, you could probably go to Ron Jones' honor, offer right now, or owner right now, and be like, hey, here's two third-round picks. That's yep. worth it. I mean, like, I would absolutely, you know, trade two third-round picks for him to sit him on my taxi use or my bench if, I've, if I'm if i a rebuilding team and see if he hits. Because if he's the lead back in Miami next year or somewhere else, I mean, like, I don't see him ever returning to Tampa Bay the way they've treated him since day one, it seems like. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think I actually – I just texted somebody um, about inquiring about uh, his, his price tag right now because – Somebody put on – I want to interrupt you, um, and I tweeted this out, and people thought I was hacked, and I want to clarify. I was not hacked. I think if, you, if you're looking at waiver wires and you're looking for somebody who could be worth something, go pick up Keyshawn Vaughn because, you know, he's the only running back right now who's currently under contract, and it, they drafted him in the third round. So if, like, maybe he's developed over the past two years and learned how to work hard – you know, then maybe he's worth something. I mean, like, if he's sitting there in your waiver wires, he's worth it. But he was never worth a first, second, or third round pick. He's worth a waiver wire flyer, in my opinion. So I feel like that's worth pointing out because people literally thought I was hacked when I tweeted this out. The podcast has been hacked. Yeah, yeah, this is... And you can, I mean, you can separate those things. Like, you can not have been in love with Keyshawn Vaughn as a prospect and, like you said, being, like, a first round pick, but still think he's, I mean that's the type of guy that is worth a flyer on your taxi squad that costs you nothing. So and, like, that's why I try to stay ahead of things. Like you're going to hear it in three or four months, like, Oh, go pick up Keyshawn Vaughn. It's like, no, you should be doing this right now. Like if you're a rebuilding team and you've got him a, a free spot with a junk spot, like take the shot. Like, I mean, he's going to get in and you know, if an injury were to happen and he gets on the field, he's going to get some value too. It's just, he's worth a flyer if he's free. Like, don't go pay for him. And I think just one last thing with Rojo before we move on is I think the perception has become that he's a bad player, and that's not the case. He's a good player. He's somebody who could thrive in an offense elsewhere next year. He's he's just – it's been like a murky situation, like you said, since since he got there. So I think the perception and the, the person who, you know, has him in your league might just think he's a bad player, but he's not. So – Definitely worth um, checking in there. Let's move on to wide receivers. Matt, let's start with you. Who's your riser? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Michael Pittman Jr. here, and I'm gonna tell you why. A little bit like the same James to go with the James Robinson. So I had Michael Pittman, you know, marked down for right at a thousand yards, seven targets a game, you know, five or six touchdowns, and so on and so forth. 
he is exceeding my expectations and I might've been the highest one on him this summer outside of Matt Harmon and some of these other big name guys. So his current 17 game pace is 98 receptions, 1,251 yards on 146 targets. And then obviously the one touchdown here in the first five weeks. So in theory, three touchdowns, maybe four, although Wentz has missed him, I think two more times, three times in the end zone. So he could be right now in, in theory sitting, be sitting at four receiving touchdowns if Wentz had thrown some better balls. He's absolutely blowing my mind. He's wide receiver uh, 12 in wide receiver usage. He's now, after last night, currently the wide receiver 24 in total points and points per game. Uh, I had him finishing as the wide receiver 24 overall in the season. I think he's going to finish higher than that. I think he's going to finish closer to the wide receiver 15 spot because he's seeing nine targets a game, roughly 80 yards. And now with the touchdowns start to come, I mean, this guy's going to be scoring 18, 19 points week in and week out. So he's a riser for me because he's exceeding the already high expectations I thought I had. Yeah, I like that one. I've, I've been really impressed with him. I think he's he's passed the eye test as well, and he, he definitely looks like a number one, which um, is needed there. I'm going to go with Rondell Moore, and I know he's a guy that was, a, you know, a, a decent prospect. So, you know, People liked him then, people like him now, but I was pretty skeptical on him. And I, and I do think there were a lot of people. And, you know, I saw him going late second round in, in super flex drafts. And I've just been really impressed with him. I had a lot of questions about his size and, and his college production. We talked about it on this show, but you look at what he's done and his efficiency has been crazy good. I mean, he's, he doesn't have a single drop. Uh, he's number two in catch rate. He's number nine in yards after catch with 157. Uh, he's number nine in yards per target with 11.3. He's number six in yards per route run at 3.42. Now, his A dot is a little low, so that's kind of the concern, but he's still getting some valuable touches in the offense. He has five red zone targets already through five weeks, which is crazy to me. And you have an offense where AJ Green, AJ Green is playing on the outside for the most part, and he's kind of sharing some work with uh, Christian Kirk. But I think he's going to ascend past them sooner rather than later. And his uh, – or I'm sorry, with Max Williams going down – I think that's going to help Rondell more too, because Max Williams sees a lot of those kind of short area targets. So I really like what I've seen from Rondell more, and he's been a riser for me personally. Um, I feel like, and this may be low hanging fruit after this past week, but um, I don't, and I don't care what anybody says about him. Kadarius Tony. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how you can watch what he's doing on the field and not think he looks special. I mean, like I liked him coming in, I, I didn't think he was going to literally be a robot. I mean, he's literally teleporting and like changing direction and like how video games, 1900, like uh, 1900s. I just sounded ancient. Like back when we were kids, like, you know how, like when you used to play those games, like the change of directions on somebody would be like literally instant. I mean, that's what Kadarius Tony's looking like on the field. Put up 189 yards last week. And I know people are going to make up the excuses that he's only doing it because so-and-so and so-and-so is hurt. Yeah, but imagine what people would be saying about him if he wasn't performing like this. He's earning more work every week. He looks fantastic. He's only 22. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Is like people want to treat him like he's 
you know, some old washed fart. He's 22 years old, first round pick, and he looks good. Um, I don't understand how you don't love what you're seeing off of him. What do you guys think? I was really impressed with his route running, especially. I I saw some clips of him just. I mean, he there was a he route already looks like he's like in that elite category in the NFL of like route running. Yeah, he absolutely cooked Trayvon Diggs, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the league at this point, on a an out route where I mean, he just broke him down and was wide open. I've been really impressed. Matt, are you not impressed, or are you just quietly waiting for? Oh, you're muted. Ah, uh, yeah. boom, boom. That's on me, guys. Sorry. I I like. Tony's route running coming out. I mean, I guess just my big thing with him was just his his only real production came when Kyle Pitts wasn't on the field. So I was I didn't know if that was more of a scheme thing or you know there was some other issue going on. But I always thought even at Florida, his route running was was next level. And you know if you can make that work and you could show like a proper work ethic, you're going to see playing time on the field. I wasn't willing to take that risk. And I'm probably still not, even though he's a good player, because I don't trust Daniel Jones or any of that Giants organization. So, but definitely Tony is a riser as as far as the the rookies go, because I think he was the main poo pooing target over the off season, and now it, people are starting to realize that he's actually pretty good. I, I think the thing with him is like you don't need to throw him the ball deep either. Like if you just throw it to him, he'll teleport ten yards downfield. I don't know how <laughs> he gets there, but he does. I mean, he like he accelerates so quick, and he like gets. To, I mean, it's it's fun to watch. I agree, really impressive. Uh, Matt, do you have a faller? I we probably have the same guy, but go ahead. You want to say it together? Three, two, one. Lavisca. <laughs> Man, that was some hesitancy right there. Yeah, Chad, you got to commit. You, I didn't know. Got to be confident. Yeah, you were so commit. hesitant right there. I tried to just follow his tone. I didn't know if he was going to say LaVisca Chanel or Visca, but that's who it was. It's the sure. same guy, and we probably have the same reasons. It's just been, man, it's been disappointing. I don't, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. I guess the only positive I can take away is, you know, Jay Rob wasn't used properly the first two weeks, and then after week two, the coaching staff was like, we got to get this guy the ball more. Like, he's going to help our offense. And then he's actually been fed, and he's done really, really well. So, we're now going on two weeks that the coaching staff is saying we got to give Visca the ball more. And Urban even said it uh, yesterday. He was like, "We had plays drawn up for him. For some reason, the ball didn't go his way." But he goes, "That that that it really doesn't matter. We we have to get the ball in his hands more." So I don't know. Maybe this weekend's a little bit better. Uh, I'm hoping it is. I forget who they play. I I remember it was somebody really bad, the Jets or something like that. So Jets are on a bye. I think they play. It was a really bad pass defense. That's all I remember. Yeah, you're right. It's a good matchup. Um, but I, I was like, I thought this next week we were going to see his usage kind of mirror what we saw after Shark went down a little bit, but it, it obviously just didn't. So they play will, Miami. Yeah, I will say. Oh, yeah. So and I it's, will in, say, it's in London. So maybe, um, you know, maybe they'll either leave Urban Meyer in London or maybe they'll do things differently in a different country. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, if I remember correctly, I think 86% of his snaps last week came outside compared to where it was like a total opposite, where it was like 86. He was coming in the slot prior to the shark injury. So I am excited to see his, his, the, where he's moved as in the lineup goes, because he ran a lot more routes downfield. And I remember 
reviewing some of the film from this game uh, and, and seeing some of the other comments, LaVisca was by himself on two separate occasions in the Titans secondary that uh, Trevor Lawrence could have had a deep touchdown pass on both of them. And I don't know if he didn't see him or the play design was going somewhere else, but Visca was winning his, his matchups, his, his man coverage matchups. He was beating corners off the line uh, and he was getting open. So it is exciting to see that where he was running his routes from got better. But now, you know, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, like, all right, let's get the ball to him so we can, you know, see the whole picture come together. Sam, you got a faller to mention or should we move on to tight ends? No, I feel like um, Brandon Ayuk needs to be talked about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what to do with him. I mean, he doesn't really look good. He's not like playing and he seems like he's in the doghouse. Um, what do you guys think? It's exactly what I think. Yeah, I agree. And I and Kyle like, are you buying him a dynasty? Not a chance, because because Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys that if you're in the doghouse, you might never come out. Like we might never hear of Ayuk ever again. Honestly. Yeah. You mean I like agree. Brandon Pet- or uh, Dante Pettis? It's yeah, very possible. I mean, at, le- at least Bill Belichick, you know, he'll bench him for two weeks, but at least you know that player comes back. Kyle Shanahan is just like. You're sitting, you know, on the bench all day, or you're an inactive, or or whatever. So. Yeah, the other guy I want to mention real quick, Kenny Galladay. On the flip side of uh, yeah. Kadarius Tony, he's been even more disappointing in New York than I thought. Always banged up. I mean, they have Tony's ascending. Uh, Sterling Shepard is a consistent target in that offense. They just don't have a lot of use for Kenny G and he just hasn't played well. Some of his post-game comments is just like, why am I here? Like it's, it's been even worse than I thought. So Stefan Diggs has regressed a little bit too as well. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about tight ends because I can't wait to talk about my favorite tight end in all the land, Dan Arnold. Um, I was excited about him. And this is like kind of a, this is for fallers, right? No, this is for risers. <laughs> His snap rate, and this is admittedly, he's kind of like a, a two tight end, deeper league kind of guy, but just not as uh, obvious as some of the others. But his snap share was 55 in week one, but then it fell to 24, 32. His first, I was excited when he got traded to Jacksonville because I figured they went out and got him, they were going to acquire him. He played more than I thought he would in that first Thursday night game. He was on the team for like two days, and he still played 37% of the snaps, ran nine routes. This past week, 82% snap share, 28 routes, eight targets. Best production of the season, six for 64. I know he did have a fumble, but I thought he looked really good. He's been a guy I've always liked athletically, um, and obviously with Shark going down, there's more targets to go around there. I like Dan Arnold. I like that Jacksonville tight end usage. I remember week one, O'Shaughnessy was getting a lot of work. So I think I don't know if he's necessarily a riser at this point in time, but I think maybe in the next three weeks, he could definitely be one because it's a very favorable position in that particular offense. Uh, I feel like my obvious riser is Dalton Schultz. Um, Don't really know what to say about that. He's been an elite weapon. Um, He's on the Cowboys. He's the clear tight end one, and he gets the volume. Um, I, I, I seems pretty legit to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I always thought Dalton Schultz was going to be 
after last year, you know, when Jarwin went down, he was a big hype candidate. And then he went down, so Schultz stepped in. So then this summer, it's like, you know, oh, Jarwin's coming back. Schultz is going to revert back to his previous role. And I'm just like, I don't know. He looked pretty good last year. I'm not saying he's not going to take a step back, but he's definitely not going to go away. But I definitely did not anticipate Jarwin going away because it's yeah. been all all Dalton Schultz. So that's that's a really good one. Uh, for me, though, I was going to say Schultz, but I had another name written down. How are we not talking about Dawson Knox? I mean, this guy's going off right now. Yeah. And I hate that I didn't take my own advice. Because I remember we were talking in the podcast during the summer, and I think it might have been during the AFC East preview. And I I specifically said that this was the last year that they were going to attempt to get him involved and they were going to force feed him the ball. And I did not act on my own information. So that's, this is what I get. Yep, I remember uh, but, that. But, I mean, good good for Dawson Knox. I always thought he was a pretty decent prospect. He wouldn't, He's not you know the best of the best, but he's definitely not bad. Uh, so good for him. Allen's finding him. He's he's getting open. The Bills, uh, Brian Dabble deserves a head coaching job yesterday, you know, is, is getting him involved in all different kinds of ways. So I'm, I'm really excited that he's finally popping off. Yeah, I'll be excited to see what Brian Dabble can do with Brian Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Chad, you're oh, muted. I like, yeah, sorry. I realized that, but I was, I was uh, approving of that comment. I like that. Um, just quick fallers for me. I, I think Kittle's an obvious one, but less obvious is Jonu, who I think Hunter Henry is emerging as the guy to own in yeah. New England, not Jonu. And then Cole Komet, who hasn't really uh, done a whole lot, I think, with his opportunities. He's played a lot of snaps, but hasn't really been targeted or, or produced a whole lot. So those would be my fallers. You guys have anything to add? No, because everybody's pretty much a follower. Yeah, follower, yeah, follower for me. I think you know Darren Waller post week one. Sure. Uh, Dallas Goddard hasn't been in, as involved as much as I want to. Although there were some interesting quotes over the past two days, how Sirianni said that they just need to get him the ball more, and they're going to figure that out because they play Thursday night, so they get like a mini buy, and they said that they were going to work on that, just scheming him more into the offense. Uh, I believe they said they wanted to get him at least six six touches a game, so maybe maybe that that switches. Uh, he goes on the up and up. Uh, and I, I guess that's it. I feel like I had one more, but I don't remember. Well, real quick before oh, we Adam Troutman, I wasn't in on him e- anyway, yeah, but I, he's been non-existent. Carry on. I was selling him hard. Real quick before we get out of here, I'm not suggesting this guy is like a major faller, but. Are you concerned about Noah Fant? I know we talked about him a lot. He's a guy that you love, but like I don't know. The Broncos just they'll go to they'll target him like eight times and a half, and then just nothing. And it it's I don't really understand. Noah Fant is through five weeks is outscoring T.J. Hawkinson. So sure, no, yeah, I'm not concerned. Um, well, I think last week he just had a really tough matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean they locked the Steelers locked the Broncos down all day. Um. I'm probably starting him against Ryan, so I'm hoping he bounces back because I'm literally depleted with injuries right now. So and buys like I was gonna start and, Michael Carter. Of course, he's on buy. And Fant Fant was a big part of the offense even pre Judy injury. So Judy coming back doesn't really put me off of him either. I think it's Fant, and then when does Judy come back? Two weeks, I think. Three weeks. Two weeks, but he's also Fant is not outscoring Hawkinson. I don't know what you're looking In at. Points but, per game. Uh no. I it's saw incredibly that. close because like one of them started hot beginning of the year, the other one didn't, and then I, I saw, saw that earlier. 
Uh, the one you're referencing, it's I think it's close. Fake news. It's fake news. They're like it, it Hawkinson's averaging like over two points more per game and twelve total. It will not be fake. Oh, it might have been before this weekend is when I saw it. Then hold on, I will find no, this. Hawkinson had like the same week. Fan no, no. Yeah. The point is, they're, they're they're you're gonna start them if you have them because you probably don't have any other options. Oh, through so it was through four games. So it was yeah, it was target share. Uh, so I, I misspoke. Not not fancy points. T.J. Hawkinson before. Prior to last yeah, Sunday, I have target share was 18.5 and no fan was 20.4. I have a huge and then, problem and then with that. Chad stat. doesn't have anything else to follow up on that. That target share, I mean, we can get out of here, but target share, Hawkinson, they're eating from different size pies. Don't tell me the percentage. Hawkinson's still getting more volume overall, but we can uh, we can save that debate. But you don't think day. 20, 20 and a half percent is more impressive in an offense is with as many weapons as Denver has compared to Hawkinson. To be fair, Denver's weapons are all hurt, though. I mean, KJ Handler's down. Jerry Judy's down. I love Noah Fan. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's a star. It's just, I mean, Teddy, the, the offense isn't explosive because okay. nobody thinks Plus, Teddy's you don't get you don't but, get so. So hypothetical, just real quick, hypothetical. Let's pick up Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and put him on the lines. Was CJ Hawkinson still getting 18.5%? Probably not. Yes, I think he is. The right. Lions have actually targeted their wide receivers a lot. Okay. Doesn't that not help your argument, though? How does it not? They're already targeting their wide receivers a ton, so they bring in a new so one. Then you, no, so then you put even better ones on there, wouldn't they? Yeah, how is that helping you? No, no, they're going to target don't, them. They don't target the better player more? Usage That's totally – you, you got something butchered. I think you're – No. If, they're bring, if they've already targeting the wide receivers more and they're going to bring in better wide receivers, how is that going to help TJ Hawkinson? I didn't say We're, it was going to help him, but his target share is solidified. It's not going anywhere. He has a smaller share of a way bigger pie. Than uh, fans of the Broncos. What do you mean by bigger pie? Aren't, aren't the volume. The, the Lions are throwing the ball a lot more. Oh. Which is all that matters. Like the total volume is all that matters. I'm not arguing either. I'm just kind of trying to get more no, information. No, I get it. I get it. But like, I don't, you don't get fantasy points. Like, I understand when you just evaluate a player looking at target share. But from a fantasy perspective, right now, like, I don't care what share the targets are getting, I care about the overall volume. And Hawkinson's getting more of it. But yeah, I'm not I'm I'm looking at Fant here. I mean, the last three weeks he's played over eighty seven percent of the snaps. How many fantasy he, points does he have? He's That's had the... seventeen targets. Um last yeah. three weeks he's had twenty one. Oh, this is a premium. Please hold. I'll go to it's gonna full PPR. Yeah, well I'm going to half because that's the next one that I saw. Yeah, you can't ever get some roughly 22, 20. Okay, so yeah, so if then t- close to 25, then if we go full PPR over the last three weeks, so eight a game, eight and a half, eight and eight and a third. My point is, like, even if they like say the Lions acquired a new shiny wide receiver, like Hawkins' volume is solidified, those targets are going to come away from Khalif Raymond and guys like that. Well, I, I could, don't forget that Quintus Zebus is gone. So, yeah, I'm really sad. Yeah, Hawkinson could get more work. But, and he's also, to be fair, Hawkinson hasn't been great the last few weeks. Like, he yeah, started think, off. For many yeah, games. like the last, the last three weeks, Hawkinson hasn't even scored 10 points combined. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yes, he has. You're just throwing fake news out at Hawkinson. I'm looking at the numbers. He scored 16. 
In what? What? The last three weeks. Combined. I'm seeing two, 6.2, and 3.2. That's probably That's standard. 11. That's standard. That's 11. Okay, so PPR. 11. PPR, he's... 9, 10, 11. No, this is half PPR. Okay, so... Okay, I'm looking at full PPR. He's at like okay. 16, but yeah. But it's yeah. been disappointing the last three weeks. I admit that. He'll, be, he'll bounce back. Him and Noah Fair aren't too good. They'll both have big weeks. It's just... You know, it's kind of disappointing, you know, but it's not, I don't think it's really their fault. I think it's because they both have really bad quarterbacks and they're on really bad teams. Yep. One of these days, no fans going to have a good quarterback. I do. And I do love Fanta player and I think he could be an absolute superstar. So I'm not Broncos fan poo-pooing on his own. Tight end. <laughs> but I'm biased when it comes to. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's, let's get out of here. Um, thank you guys for listening. That was a fun episode trying to bring you more, um, you know, dynasty risers, fallers. Who would you rather you know, factor fiction, just to kind of put those players in perspective for you. So we appreciate you hanging out here. Um, remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. And we'll be back next week on the fantasy scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm.